You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. Well, I want to wish everyone a happy Father's Day weekend here at Grace Church, wherever you're at. I'm going to introduce our special guest in just a moment. She is so cute. But if you're a father, we are honored to have you with us this weekend as we kick off a brand new series. I want to welcome you. If you are here in the auditorium, if you're in one of our other sites, maybe you're in the venue, maybe you are in the cafe right now. Welcome to those guys in the cafe. I saw some of you guys out there. Maybe you're down in our sensory-friendly room. Maybe you have special needs or sensory-friendly in our kids' worship. Hey to you down in kids' worship area. We're so excited to have you this weekend. So it's Father's Day weekend. It's an all-family service celebration of what God has done these last two weeks with several hundred children with our Vacation Bible School called Summer Breakout. It's been fantastic. As a part of this process, by the way, since it's Father's Day, as you leave today, two things. You're going to actually be able to grab either a, an ice cream sandwich or popsicle on the way out, and you can visit our friend outside. If you're a child or an adult, child at heart, outside, she'll be there afterwards. I'll introduce, I want to say we're going to be in John chapter 2 today. So if you want to open your Bibles to John chapter 2, we're going to begin there. Our ushers have Bibles available, so you can join me right there. We're going to look at the very first miracle today. Jesus ever did in his life, the miracle, the miracle of all miracles that God picked. But if you want a Bible, turn to John 2 or raise your hand. Let me introduce our very special guest. This is Maylee Pua. Everyone say hi, Maylee. Oh, one more time. Say hi, Maylee. Maylee is one year old. She is a beautiful girl. Maylee Pua is Hawaiian for honey pig, and she is definitely so sweet. I'll throw her some apples over here so you can see her on pig cam. There we go, right there. So, uh, so Meili Pua is about a year old. She's actually what's called a micro mini pig, which lives between 15 and 20 years. Her owners, Kenny and Crystal, graciously brought her and bring her to all the services this weekend. I spent two hours with her on Thursday. Me and her, some quality time. I become the food man. And so Kenny said they actually bought a pig because they had two other animals. Imagine a house with a large dog and a six-pound chihuahua. That's what they had. And so they wanted a third animal. So Kenny said he told Crystal, we, we can pick, you can either pick a hairless cat or a pig. And so they got Maylee Pua. Maylee, they got her when she was very young, bottle fed her. Maylee was raised with their two dogs. Maylee runs with the dogs. Maylee barks like a dog. Maylee is housebroken like a dog. Maylee thinks she is a dog. And so we, we brought Maylee out this week. I'm going to give her a real special treat. She, this is a fun, kind of fun thing to see her eat. Peanut butter. Oh, she loves this. Here you go, sweetie. Put this right here. Oh, she, watch her eat peanut butter. It is just a blast. So Maylee uh, is... Maylee, actually, I brought Maylee out because pigs... Oh, yeah, it's good looking. Oh, pig cam is working. She is going to town. You like that, don't you, sweetie? Don't you like that? I'll give you some apples with that. All right, so Maylee's uh, a pig. And so pig, I want to share four things pigs can do. Pigs can do at least four things really well. Number one, pigs can be smart. Maylee's a pig and pigs can be smart. 
pigs are very intelligent. They're actually the third smartest animal behind apes and dolphins. So apes, dolphins, and pigs. So if you have a farm, the pig is the smartest animal that's on your farm. They're, they're so smart that a professor at Purdue University named Candace Crony back in 1998, they thought you could only teach monkeys to do video games. They didn't think you could teach pigs to do video games, but they actually made an, made an adjustment to the controller, and guess what? Pigs can play video games. They were wrong. And so if you're looking for someone to play Minecraft with you, maybe, maybe Maylee Poo is your girl. All right, pigs can be smart. Pigs uh, can be clean. Pigs can be clean. Uh, Kenny told me that Maylee only goes to the bathroom in the backyard in one small area. She's very clean. You say, well, what about all the mud? Well, pigs use mud for sunscreen and bug repellent. And so if you, if, you don't have, if, you don't have suns, if you don't have a mud pit, which they don't have, guess what Kenny and Crystal do with her? Before she goes out, sunscreen and bug repellent all over Maylee. All right, pigs can be smart, they can be clean, pigs can be noisy. Pigs can be noisy. Kenny told me that Maylee, uh, actually, did you know that a pig, I've heard her squeal, pigs can squeal louder than a Concorde jet. Like, that's how loud, they can get to a 115 decibels. That, my friends, is loud. Pigs can, can be noisy, pigs can be smart, can be clean, can be noisy, and guess what you're seeing? I know about her, pigs can eat. Boy, she'll eat until you stop feeding her. Now, Maylee right now weighs around 35, 40 pounds. Pigs will keep growing for five years, and so she has four more years of growth in her. Crystal told me that they know they've overfed Maylee when her cheeks hit her shoulders. And ironically, that's how I know I've overfed. When my cheeks hit my shoulders, that's how I know I've eaten too much. Uh, here's a picture of Big Bill. Big Bill is, has the Guinness World Record for the largest uh, pig in history. He's as big as a big steer. He's five foot tall. Imagine a five foot tall person. He's nine feet wide. Nine feet wide. And 2,500 pounds. Biggest bill, big, big bill, the biggest pig in history, 1933. Now, before you run out, you think they're so cute, you've got to get a pig right now. People are going to run into the store, get a pig. Here's a picture of a cute little piglet, which is so cute. I know, they're like two pounds. They're so sweet. You can bottle feed them. Here's the challenge with owning a pig. They can turn into Daisy May. Daisy May is a potbelly pig. In Minnesota, here she is. Here's what your piglet can get. So they started feeding Daisy May from a bottle at about a half pound, and several hundred pounds later, they're wondering what to do. They're going to keep Daisy May. This, by the way, this is why pigs, pig owners, turn in their pig only, they only keep their pig three to five percent of the time. 95 percent of people. Like 19 out of 20 households give away their pig because they don't know what to do and they don't know what they're getting into. Pigs can be, so before you buy one, realize what you're getting into. Pigs can be smart. Pigs can be clean. Pigs can be noisy. Pigs can eat. I'll tell you one thing pigs cannot do. Pigs can't fly. They can't fly. Now, I mean, we know that we could give Maley the best training in the world. Let me fix that for you. Best training in the world. We could take her to all the experts. We could try to slim her down, give her wings. Pigs can't fly. In fact, we even have a phrase. If something's impossible, if it would take a miracle to do it, we say this. Oh, yeah. 
When pigs fly, that'll happen. That will never happen. It means it's got to be miraculous. But here's the deal. What if right now, Maley took off? What if Maley was the one pig in history that could fly? I mean, she just started flapping her tail and flapping her ears and flapping her hose. And all of a sudden, Maley just took, what if this happened? People are grabbing photos of her and they're like, oh my goodness, I got to post this online. What would that do? That thing would spread on social media. People would reshare the videos. This, we found the first pig in history that could fly. Scientists would arrive, people would spread it, news stories would be out. That miracle would draw the attention of the world. And that's the point. You see, 2,000 years ago, when John the Apostle was writing his gospel, he was asking God, what do I write about Jesus? There's so many things I could write about Jesus. He picked out eight miracles. The eight miracles of Jesus from his first to his last, which best represent the amazing, miraculous Wow factor, I cannot believe it. Yeah, when pigs fly, it drew the attention of the world when Jesus did these miracles, the attention of the world. And we're starting a series, oh yeah, when pigs fly, to unpack the amazing, shocking wow factor of the miracles of Jesus, the eight miracles John picked out in Jesus. And so I'm going to go ahead and I want everybody to give a hand to Maylee in a moment because she's going to go outside and meet us later. Would you give a hand to Maylee and Crystal and Kenny for doing this today? All right. So, sweetie, I'm going to give, I'm going to give uh, Kenny the food. She loves me, man. I am, I am Mr. Food for her. And so what I'm going to do, because I know this. Right now I know this is true. Not one person is paying attention to me. That I could say, I could do anything. I could take my shirt off. You'd watch the pig. Let's be honest. So let me just pray that the pig leaves so we can go on to this amazing miracle of John chapter two. Let me pray. God, I thank you for uh, the chance to gather together and to worship you. Lord, I pray, I mean, the miracles of John, that John recorded about Jesus, they were so shocking and amazing. I mean, it drew attention. Crowds gathered because they couldn't believe what was happening. It was miraculous. And you drew all the attention back to Jesus Christ, giving him glory. I pray for these eight weeks of this series, When Pigs Fly, we go through these eight miracles of John, that you'd help us to see every one of these miracles God wants, you want to do in us and through us and point the glory to Jesus Christ. We pray this. In your name, amen. All right, let's look at John chapter 2 now. John chapter 2. Uh, and we're going to begin reading here in verse 1. And every word of the Bible is inspired and important. And there's a key word right out of the gate in verse 1. That if you're not ready for this, you'll miss it. Look what he says in, in John chapter 2 verse 1. On the third day. Now, if you're a Bible student, you ought to go, bing, 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 woo, woo, third day. That's a key phrase, third day. You might just say, well, so what? It's the third day, who cares? See, every phrase in the Bible is handpicked by God for a reason. That is a key phrase we'll come back to. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. All right, so here's, 
Here's a picture of what wedding feasts look like in Jesus' day. You got a picture, seven days of wedding. All the community there, look at that. The parties, the celebration. It's basically seven days, between three to seven days of feasting and partying. And there's a wedding. And they do invite Mary to this wedding. They do invite Jesus, and you've got a handful of disciples at this point. They show up at this wedding. You see, weddings today in our culture typically go two days. You have the rehearsal on one day with a dinner. you got the wedding and with a dinner. That's it, two days. These were three to seven-day feasts every day, feasting, feasting, feasting. Imagine buying all that food and drink for seven days of feasting. All right? Now, let's go back to that phrase, the third day. Why did God say the third day? Who really cares if it's the third day? It's an important key phrase. And the key phrase, if you type in third day into a Bible search program and look at every time the phrase third day appears, you're going to discover what third day represents. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Third day equals Jesus' resurrection. Third day equals, every time you find it, Jesus' power of his resurrection. That's 1 Corinthians 15 verse 4. You find that because Jesus actually died, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 4. He was buried and he was raised again the third day. And so what this means is every time in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, God simply throws out this key phrase, third day. You ought to stop and say, whoa, whoa, wait, wait. How in the world is this story picturing the power of the resurrection of Jesus. That story, third day, the power of the resurrection. Okay, we got a wedding. A wedding is the best that life has to offer, the best times could be. But something happens at this wedding. It says in verse three, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Okay, so here's what wine was stored in in Jesus' day. These, these are each individual one's called an amphora, amphora. And so there are probably three to five gallons of wine. They probably, you got to picture 30 to 50 of these storing wine in the back room. And they had all these amphoras of wine. They were paired for seven days of feasting, but they ran out. The, the servant, here's what happens. The servant had his wine. The sommelier, the wine steward comes out. Sir, would you like some more wine? Absolutely. Would you like me to top that off? Absolutely. At some point... Okay, no more wine. I've got to go back. Hey, we need more wine. We have no wine. Word gets out. I'm sorry, sir. We have no wine. It's a total shocking embarrassment to a culture. This culture, terrible bad news. The wine ran out. Don't miss it. This picture is what life is all about. We'll see in just a second. So Mary says they have no wine. How does Jesus respond? Now, kids, don't try this at home. Don't answer your mom the way Jesus answered his mom. Woman, what is your concern to have to do with me? Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? Kids, don't don't say that when mom says later on, hey, would you clean up your room? Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? Hey, kids, would you finish your food? Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? Don't try this at home. This is something Jesus could say. Well, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. That's a weird response. She mentions wine. He's talking about an hour. So throughout the book of John, Jesus keeps saying, my hour is not here. 
Uh, not yet. My hour's not here. It's not time yet. My time's not here. My hour's not here. Until finally, before he resurrects and die, dies and resurrects, he goes, ah, it's time. My hour of my death and resurrection is here. Again, Jesus pointing out her concern is worldly. His concern is spiritual and kingdom-oriented, and it's not time. But he's saying this story pictures again the resurrection, his hour of his death and resurrection. So after this weird answer, see, Jesus' mom knew that she was a virgin when she had him. Jesus' mom also had never seen him do a miracle in his life. He'd never done one miracle. But he acted weird sometimes, and he said weird things. And she learned when Jesus says weird things, you listen, you do it. Look at verse 5. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. That's great advice. You want Mary's advice on life? Listen to Jesus. You want Mary's advice on life? Do what Jesus says. You want Mary's advice on life? Look to Jesus. That's what she says. Whatever Jesus says to you, do it. And some of us, that's what God wants you. God brought you here this weekend because Jesus has told you to do something. You need to take Mary's advice. Well, I don't want to do that. Well, whatever Jesus has told you to do, do that. Well, I don't like doing that. Whatever Jesus told you to do that. Well, I don't want to do it. It's not a good time for me. Well, my life slows down. Whatever Jesus has told you to do, do that. That's her advice. All right, let's go back to the wine here for a second. So every word in the Bible is a key word. There's something really important. What does the wine picture? We know the wine pictures certainly the blood of Christ because communion is bread and the cup picturing the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Wine pictures something else. You type wine in in a Bible search again, guess what you're going to find? Wine equals joy. You can write that down. Wine equals joy. That's Isaiah 24, verse 11. Look what it says, Isaiah 24, verse 11. Here the prophet Isaiah. There's a lack of wine, which represents their lack of joy. Isaiah 24, 11 says, There is a cry for wine in the streets. There's no wine. All joy is darkened. There's no joy. The mirth of the land is gone. There's no mirth. No wine pictures no joy, no mirth. So here's the picture. There's this moment in life. You could write in your notes. Number one, there comes a time in life when the joy runs out. Like whatever you find joy in life, if it's not Jesus Christ, if you find joy like my, uh, my two-year-old daughter does in Peppa Pig, my two-year-old, I love Peppa Pig, to give you a sense, is like Elmo, but not as smart. Okay, that's Peppa Pig. And so one of these days, my, my, I can't wait for the moment my daughter's going to go to Peppa Pig. Peppa Pig, Peppa Pig. And she turns on Peppa Pig, and it's no longer fun. She's like, seriously? How is this fun? There comes a time in life, if it's not Jesus, that your joy runs out. I know people who post on social media. They post something, and they wait for the likes and the hearts. And here come the likes. A like, like, like. I got 24 likes in 30 seconds. I got 60 likes in two minutes. Oh my, their self-esteem goes up. One of these days, you're going to go to the likes and people sharing those posts. And you're going to go, and the well, your wine, your joy, which is in this world, is going to run out. I know people who find their joy in success or grades, or people praising them. I know guys, men and women loving closing the deal, finishing the project, getting a promotion. And guess what at the end of the day? You climb up this mountain, and you try to get joy out of this thing in the world, and pretty soon you're like, oh, yeah, I arrived. Your joy will run out. And God wants the joy to run out. So I have a needle sense. Why, 
Why is this world not what life is all about? All right, back in John chapter 2. All right, so you may be here. If you're not a Christian, you're a picture of the party goer. Maybe you're here and your wine's still there, the joy's still there. Maybe you're here and the joy has run out, but God has allowed that to happen. So Jesus turns his mind to the servants now. If you're a Christian, in this story, you're a servant. If you're not yet a Christian, in this story, you're a party goer. You're at the wedding. He's going to give two commandments to the Christians, two commandments to the servants, These are the same two commandments he gives to me every day and you every day. This is what the meaning of life is all about. Look at verse 6. It says, now there were set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of the purification of the Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. All right, so back in the kitchen, Jesus notices something. There's these six huge, empty stone water containers. And so 20 to 30 gallons, every container is about this size. So if you filled up to the brim, like this container, uh, this container, water up to the brim, plus this water up to the brim, plus this water to the brim, you would have 26 gallons. This contains 26 gallons, these three. Imagine six of these. One, two, three, four, five, six. That's quite a bit of water. You know, almost 180 gallons on the high side. And so Jesus finds these six empty water pots. Here comes the first commandment to a servant. The first commandment to any servant of Jesus. This is a commandment. Every day you and I have this commandment from God. Look what he says. Verse 7. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. That's the commandment. And they filled them up to the brim. And so here's the first thing Jesus asked the servants to do. The first thing he asked them to do was to go out, find this crystal clear water, and fill all six of those empty water pots all the way up to the brim with water. Now, in our day, if we wanted to fill six, you know, 180 gallons of water, we would go get the hose and put the hose in and turn it on and wait. That's what we do. They had no indoor plumbing. I mean, he says they they filled them up to the brim. What exactly did they do? So what they had to do was to get, you know, their five-gallon drum of water they would carry, about that much water they'd carry, and they'd walk out to the river or walk out to the well. Here's what the servant's thinking. This is a dumb idea. They asked for wine. How are our our wine drinkers going to respond to, here's some lovely water for you? That's a dumb idea. But okay, I'm going out there, hike out. I'll make a, yeah, finally make a quarter mile away. There's the well. All right, it's fantastic. I can't believe this. I've got to do this. So this is five gallons. To fill one of those takes six trips. To fill all six of them will take me 36 trips. All right, here's the bucket. Drop it down the well. Bring it up. Oh, fantastic. This is awesome. Great. Fill this thing up with water. All the way to the brim. That's a lot of stuff. Do it over and over. Drop it in there. Don't miss this. This is the same commandment God gives you and me to fill up to the brim with water. It's a job that you do behind the scenes. It's a job you may not want to do sometimes. 
It's a job no one will give you credit for but God, but you fill it up as they finally get to the end of the well. They're like, okay, that's great. Lug this water back over to the, back over to the empty water pots. Here we go. Let's get this thing up. One. I got to get to 36 times. And they had some servants, so they actually teamed up on this thing. They did it over back to the well. Back to the empty water pots, back to the well, back to the empty water pots. Over, they filled them up to the brim. Now, this is a key word again. Every Bible word is a key word. You type in, in your uh, Bible search program, they're free online, type in water. And you look at every time the word water appears, you're going to find something else. Water, if you're taking notes, water equals the Holy Spirit. Water equals the Holy Spirit. That's what you write down. You write down John 7, verse 38 and 39. Every time you find water, it's a picture of the Holy Spirit. So let's replace what Jesus says. Fill the water pots with water. Be filled with the Spirit. That's a commandment from Ephesians chapter 5. We are commanded every day, every moment. You and I, if you're a Christian, commanded to be filled up to the brim with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read John 7, verse 38 and 39. When Jesus talked about this, he says this. Jesus said, he who believes in me, well, that's certainly me. Hopefully it's you. If you're a Christian, you've believed in him. What's going to happen to you? As the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That well is not down the street. That well's inside you. An ever-flowing source of water, the Holy Spirit, verse 39. But this he spoke Concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Here's the thing. Water is a picture of the Spirit. leads to our second thought from John chapter 2. Our second thought is this. God wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian, if you've given your life to Jesus, that's a commandment. He wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, fully hydrated. I know that when I sense a thirst in me, a need for something, my natural tendency is to want to go out and sit at the wedding again and get that thirst filled. Instead, God wants me to look inside toward God himself, the Holy Spirit, and say, God, I need you. God, would you please, I have this need or whatever. And guess what happens inside you? That well of the Holy Spirit unleashes, the hose is right there, just Filling you totally where every part of your being is hydrated with the Holy Spirit. Your finances are filled with the Holy Spirit. Your marriage filled with the Holy Spirit. Your self-esteem filled with the Holy Spirit. Your education filled with the Holy Spirit. Your hobbies, your free time filled. You are totally filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's a work that's done just like the servants. Behind the scenes, no one else notices but it's done internally. All right, that's the first commandment. I'll just pause here and ask, are you a person right now, at this point in time, if a Christian, if you're a Christian, are you filled with the Holy Spirit right now? By the way, how do you fill with the Holy Spirit? You simply go to him and say, God, fill me. God, fill every part of my life. You can do that right now. Wherever, maybe you're online, you're driving down the road right now. Ask God, God, fill me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. It's the source on the inside. 
All right, let's look at the second command. After the command to be filled with water or filled to the brim with the Holy Spirit, he says in verse 8, and he said to them, that's the servants, picture of a Christian, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And so here's the second thing Jesus asked his servants to do, to go take that wine pitcher and dip it in the water. It's still water. It's not wine yet. And walk it out to a guy that Jesus picked out for him to meet. You see, he wasn't going to go to the whole party. He was going, don't miss this, one guy. Jesus knew his name. And so here's what happened. These servants said, okay, seriously? This is small yays, the wine stewards. Okay, great. This is a dumb idea. And so he goes out and takes, okay, this wine is filled with water. It's water. Okay, Jesus is sending me to that one guy. Not everybody, but that one guy. Okay, that one guy ran out of wine. He ran out of joy. He used to have joy. It's gone. I'm going to that one guy. And so he walked out and says, excuse me, sir. Would you like some wine? I think we have some wine now. Well, sir, absolutely. And as he pours it, the water, the resurrection power, third day power of Jesus got turned to wine, joy, Holy Spirit in him as he followed to that one guy gets changed inside you. Water to wine is what happens in you. You are the bearer of the water, the Holy Spirit. You are the one, if you share Jesus, gets turned to joy. And he goes to that one person, he's like, I can't believe this. Water got changed to wine. For a Christian, it's the Holy Spirit got changed to joy in me. I'm doing it. I'm following God to that one guy sharing about Jesus. This is amazing. How'd this guy respond? He gets a taste of this wine. Look what he says. He says this. Verse 9. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and he did not know where it came from. By the way, when people in the, in the feast, when people you meet get a sense of your joy, they're not going to know where it comes from. It comes from Jesus. But the servants... Picture of Christians. The servants who had drawn the water, they knew. They knew it was Jesus. They knew Jesus told them to be filled with water, the Holy Spirit. They knew this. The master of the feast called the bridegroom, and he said to him, verse 10, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. You set out the name brand stuff at the start. And when the guests have well drunk, then you go get the generic, then the inferior. You've kept the good wine until now. Kids, you know this is true. I don't know if you like soft drinks. Imagine going to a birthday party, and there's soft drinks available, and back in the kitchen, they got all the name brands. Coke, Pepsi, you know, Mountain Dew. They're all back there. Mr. Pib, Dr. Pepper, 7-Up, Sprite. Like, they're all back there. But for the party, they're serving you Bob's Cola. And so they have, I got Bob's Cola. Yeah, I got a friend, Bob. He's down the street. He makes cola. What's up with that? Why are you serving the bad stuff, Bob's Cola, when you've got all the name brand stuff in the back? No one does that. You give the good stuff first. Then you give the bad stuff. Jesus is reversing it because you know what the world is drinking right now? They're drinking Bob's Cola. 
They're like, okay, I'm going to find joy in my success. Bob's Cola. Joy in going to the swimming pool. Like, that's my joy. Bob's Cola. Joy in working out and getting a ripped body. Bob's Cola. Joy in meeting people and actually getting uh, relationships that are inappropriate. Bob's Cola. It's all Bob's Cola. And guess what? It all runs out. And when they get a taste of your joy, the name brand stuff, they're not going to know where it comes from. And they're going to go, this is better. What you have is better than what I have. That's what God intends. When their joy runs out, he will send you to a person and it'll radically change. Here's the notes. If you could take this in your notes. Number three, God wants us to take God's love to the world. That's what God wants us to do. God wants you and me to take his love to the world. Those are the two commandments to the servants. The servants are told to fill the water pots up to the brim with water. Ephesians 5, be filled, hydrated every part of your life with the Holy Spirit. And then listen. Because just like Jesus told his servant, a guy with a name, God will tell you, there's a woman, there's a guy, there's a child for you to go talk to. And what's happened, sometimes you're actually here spending time with God, being hydrated with the Holy Spirit, and you're like spending time with God, and God will just simply, how does he do this? God will lay a person on your mind. He will just lay a face in your mind, and God wants you to go engage them. He wants you to take your phone out, like, why am I thinking about this person? And here's what, here's what you do. If God lays a person on your mind, here's what you do. Text them. Hey, dude, uh, for whatever reason you came to mind, I just prayed for you. How things going? You'd be shocked how often God will give you somebody in your mind. You reach out and text them, how you doing? I was, and you pray for them first. And they write back, it is weird, freaky that you just texted me right now. Things are not going well. Hey, hey do you want to get together? I'd love to get together just face to face. You know what Jesus is doing? He's telling you as a servant, there's a guy out there. I want you to reach out to him. Ask him how life is. And if he responds at all, be there to hear his story and scoop out some of the Holy Spirit in you and share. Let me share what happens to me. And the moment you actually start engaging and open your mouth and sharing Jesus, when this happens, it gets changed to joy inside you. See, that's, what, that's all life is. Being filled with the Holy Spirit and being sent out to whoever. Here's what happens also. You don't have a name when you're praying you're actually talking to somebody. You ever had this moment? You're talking to them, and you got your picture of the Holy Spirit, water in you, and, and you're talking, and all of a sudden, there's a, there's a pause in the conversation. They just made a comment, and you know God wants you to open your mouth and say something to them about Jesus. You know it. You know that moment? You know what God has done? He says, I want you to take some of the water, which is the Holy Spirit. It's not your power, and it's not you. It's the Holy Spirit. And let them know where you get joy. Because they need that. God will prompt you in a conversation to bring up Jesus, what he means to you, and say, would you like to learn more? When is the last time you opened your mouth or you texted somebody or you wrote them or FaceTimed them about, or, you, or Skyped them or whatever, you actually uh, talked about Jesus with your mouth? You say, I, I wish I had more joy in my Christian life. Well, it doesn't get the miracle, the third day power, until you scoop out the Holy Spirit, open your mouth, that's when the miracle happens. 
it turns to joy when you follow him and share the good news of Jesus, which is why verse 11 says this. Look at verse 11. Here's how this story ends. It says, this beginning of signs, like I'm glad God didn't consult me because that would not be his first miracle. I'd pick healing, you know, raising the dead, water to wine. Are you kidding me? It's the purpose of life, the meaning of life. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee, don't miss this, and he manifested his glory and, here it comes, his disciples believed in him. When you're acting like a servant and you see what God has done, your faith grows. The disciples When they saw God working, I tell you, when you open your mouth and you see the miracle, the third day power, resurrection power, changing the Holy Spirit to joy, you don't question if God is there. You know God's there. You don't question if God's around you. You know he's leading you. Why? You heard the prompting. You opened your mouth. Spirit got turned to joy. You saw God using you. It's the reason our faith grows when we follow him and see him working in our life. And we tell, the, we tell this person we're sent to, say, Jesus is the one who did this. Maybe you're here and you're a servant. God is calling you to be filled with the Spirit and take that out and tell people about Jesus. And maybe God brought you here because you need to be filled with the Spirit more. You're filled with other things. You're, you're being satisfied with something else instead of Jesus. And God is calling you to be filled with the Spirit. Or maybe, just think in your mind, when's the last time you shared Jesus? Like you shared Jesus with somebody. Was it last week? Was it three weeks ago? Was it six weeks ago? Yeah, that was when you shared Jesus. Was it four months ago? Was it a year ago? See, God brought you here because he wants you to open your mouth and he wants you to beg him this week. God, you can beg him. Dear God, give me one person to talk to about you this week. He will answer that prayer. He loves to answer that prayer. Maybe that's why God brought you. That's for the Christians in the room, the people who are walking with Jesus. Here's the other one. If you're not yet a Christian, who are you in this story? You're at the feast. Maybe the wine's still flowing and life feels good. Maybe life doesn't feel very good. The wine, the joy has run out. But regardless, it's time for you to receive Jesus as Savior. Because I can promise you, the joy we on this side of faith, of following Jesus, the joy we have, our wine, is the name brand stuff. Our joy, we got name brand joy. You're you're drinking down Bob's joy, Bob's cola. And when you get a taste of this, you're not going to want to go back. So let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. God, I pray that you would work in people's lives here. Help us to pray for those who are Christians. I pray for those who are Christians to be filled with the Spirit and to be willing and listening to you sending us to people who need us to tell them about Jesus so we can be the miracle of you turning the spirit, the water in us to wine, to joy that this world needs. Our heads are bowed. Would you pray for all those who have given their life to Jesus? 
If you're like me, I'll put my hand up first, but if you're like me who wants to be filled more, more filling of the Spirit, or if you're like me who wants to share Jesus with somebody this week, if God has spoken to you about either one, you need to be filled with the Spirit. Or it's time to ask me to send you to somebody. I want you to share Jesus yourself. If you wouldn't want prayer about either one of those things, raise your hand like me, nice and high. Tim, pray for me. I'm putting my hand up. I want more of the Spirit. I want to share Jesus with somebody this week who, like me, needs prayer. I need prayer. I need you to pray for me, and I need to pray for you. Let's pray for those like me who have raised our hand wherever you're at. If you're in the car, keep your hands on the wheel, but God sees your hand up. Dear Jesus, I pray for myself and each one of us with our hands raised. We are servants of yours. We are Christians who give our life to Jesus, but we pray right now that you would help us to be filled truly with your spirit. That you meet every thirst, every desire. And that we just go to you, the internal source, this well that never stops you, the internal hose. I mean, we can just go to you and you fill us willingly and freely, overflowing with the Holy Spirit. And I pray for those of us, including myself this week, give me a chance to share somebody about either the source of joy that I have with you or the sense of comfort with you or who you are as Savior. Give me somebody and give each of us that have raised our hands somebody to send us to that guy, that girl, that person who needs to hear about Jesus. I pray you do it this week. Hear our prayers. Our heads are still bowed. We're praying also for another, another group of people. Maybe you're here and you've not received Jesus. You can do this right now. If you've not yet given your life to Christ, what are you in the story? You're part of the wedding feast. And whether you still feel like life is joyful or whether life is no longer joyful for you, it's time. It's time for you to receive Jesus as Savior. Maybe God worked in your life to bring you to this moment. If you would like to receive Jesus as Savior right now, you can do so. Would you go in your mind and pray to Jesus who's listening? It's as simple as A, B, C. A, admit that you're a sinner. Right now, go in your mind and say, Jesus, I know I am a sinner. And I want to receive you. It's as simple as A, B, C. B is believe. Admit you're a sinner. Believe Jesus died for you. Believe he loves you. Believe he is alive today. Believe the truth about Jesus. A, admit you're a sinner. B, believe the truth about Jesus. And C is confess. Confess Jesus as your Lord. Give your life to him right now. I beg you right now, pray that. God, I admit I'm a sinner. God, I believe you died and rose again. See, I confess. I, I commit my life to you. Pray that if you'd like to receive Jesus as Savior. Our heads are still bowed. If you pray that, put your hand up nice and high. Tim, I pray that just now with you. Goodness, a number of people around the room. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 9, 10, 11, 12. Look over my right now. Anybody over here on my right side? 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Um, and I went 18, 19. Fantastic. Congratulations. I, I 
think it's, I think it's 20. <laughs> Here's the cool thing God knows. If you're a child and you pray to receive Jesus as Savior, make sure you talk to your parents after this about what this looks like, what this means. Parents, we have resourcing here if you need help with that. That's what our church is here for, to help you have spiritual conversations with your kids, with your grandkids. There were some 20 or so people who just this, in this room gave their life to Jesus Christ. Lord, we come to you. We thank you so much for those people who gave their life to you. I pray if they're children, they would talk to their parents or grandparents about what this means, and we'd resource and equip them, support them in those conversations so they could fully grasp what just happened or what is about to happen in their life. I thank you for those who did make sure. God, I pray that they would know their sins are forgiven. They'd know how much they're loved. They'd know the Holy Spirit is inside them right now. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's celebrate what God did today, huh? That's cool. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.